any given Monday. The weekend's over, the final sirens have sounded. We've got our winners and losers, our champs and our chumps. Any given Monday. So now it's time to look back and evaluate all the games, dramas and controversies from the best sport in the world. Any given Monday. So forget about those back-to-work blues and settle in for this week's edition of Any Given Monday. Please join your hosts, author and historian Dr Dan Eddy and local football expert Owen Carter as they're joined by special weekly guests for your most comprehensive wrap of the weekend's action. Let's get to it. Any Given Monday. Hello again, it's Any Given Monday brought to you by papernews.com.au Welcome to yet another edition, I'm not sure what we're up to, 15, maybe 20, Uh, hopefully people are still listening Uh, We've been enjoying it, it's got us through this season of lockdown and everything else going on at the moment But uh, we hope you're enjoying Any Given Monday each Monday morning We've reached the fun time of the year, it's finals time, my favourite month of the year and uh, Owen hasn't had to think about it for a while, but he's about to have a pretty exciting at least one week, maybe two, three, four, who knows. Um, <laughs> I know our special guest today is um, bullish about uh, the Saints-Bulldogs final, so we'll ask him about that shortly. But first of all, Owen Carter, thank you for joining me. I'm Dr Dan Eddy, in case I didn't mention that. Um, and Owen Carter, the the man of Gippsland region, the man, Um is with us as always, mate. How's your week been? Are you keeping safe? Are you happy with uh, Dictator Dan's terms this week? What's uh, <laughs> how are things travelling? Yeah, thank you uh, for a very kind introduction there, as always, mate. Um, yeah, look, Doctor uh, Doctor Dan, I, I can tell you that Mister Dan Andrews uh, has been sort of kind, but not all at the same time. So, uh, look, we're starting to prep for opening uh, a, a little bit earlier than we anticipated so that's always good news um gonna really looking forward to i oh, know i say this every week and i have for a, a few weeks now that i'm really looking forward to getting into the barbershop because i'm starting to look <laughs> like uh travis johnson when he was up at brisbane lions so yeah he did go mental there didn't he, he went near kelly for a while he did. He did have the homeless man look. So um, luckily, yeah. I wear a neck scarf, mate, because I might be mistaken for one. Well, it'd be a thick neck scarf because I've got you <laughs> up on the camera here, and uh, yeah, you, you're uh, you're pushing the boundaries with the. Um, you are still married, so that's a good thing. But um, and it's we the know reason why I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, good to hear. Now we've got plenty to talk about. We've got finals galore. Uh, it's, it's yeah, as I said, my favourite time of the year. We've got four pretty impre- pretty interesting games coming up. Um, I wanted to get in a man who uh, knows a thing or two about playing finals, and also um, I know he sits and watches every game of the season, even some of those yawn fests that we've had this year. <laughs> um, he sits through them, he takes notes. He's pretty uh, he's pretty across it all. So I thought we'd get him on straight away, mate. Um, uh, good to start well And then we can just taper off <laughs> As soon as we get into it But uh, um, Good mate of mine He's been in lockdown as well um, The great Bob Keddy from Hawthorne A finals performer Was um, was good enough to join us Bobby, how are you mate? Hey Bob I'm, I'm well, thanks Thanks Doc um, <laughs> And hi to you Owen I, It's uh, yeah, it, it's a very interesting time of the year, and uh, there's a 
with a fair bit of impatience around the place at the moment. Mm. Yes, very true. And you, you've wrong. been in lockdown, like Owen, you've been in lockdown as well. You're down on the peninsula. Is it uh, How difficult has it been for you just to, um, yeah, to not have too much social interaction really other than phone and the odd catch-up when you maybe do your shopping or something? But other than that, you haven't been able to venture out much, have you? No, no. I, uh, I've been on my own for, oh, probably, you know, I've, I've lost count of the months. But uh, right from day one, and uh, yeah, I mean, I have a, uh, a beautiful daughter, and I haven't seen her since uh, April, May. Uh, uh, so mm. any uh, any freedom will be uh, more than welcome, and I'm sure that applies to everybody in all the communities, particularly when we're coming into such a what is normally an exciting part of the year with uh, the finals, not so much just in football, but right across the spectrum of sport. Yeah, for sure, and I'm, I bet you're looking forward to that first cuddle with with your daughter in the <laughs> hopefully in the next uh, what three four weeks, I guess. But um, how how excited do you get at finals time do you still get the buzz that you would have got as a player bob is that still something that september comes around and the, the you know the 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 excitement levels grow a bit uh look there, there are different uh emotions surrounding the final series because uh this season in particular uh because of the, its, its nature um and despite the fact that uh, the AFL and all, all its uh, uh, partners have been able to get the season over and done with, mm. uh, there have been quite a number of uh, issues that have arisen out of it. Uh, you alluded to some of the boring football, and it's been quite tragic to see how terrible it's been. But there have been some very good games, a lot of, quite a number of close games. Mm. Um, it actually takes me back uh, to 1976 because it's, uh, today it's 44 years since uh, Cremo died and uh, being the uh, extraordinary author of his life, Dan, uh, you would appreciate that uh, it's a very, very important day Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, to Gwen, his wife and uh, the two boys, Ben and Sam, I'm sure they're reflecting uh, this time of the year. Uh, and it's still, you know, is a very emotional um, aspect of this particular day. Uh, so... Yeah. Rather than sad about it at this point, uh, I I personally, you know, would like to uh, celebrate the fact that it's forty four years and we're still talking. And many thanks to you, uh, we're still talking in such glowing terms of one of, one of the great men. Certainly, one of the great men. Yeah, and that was evident to me um, throughout writing. The book on Peter Crimmins was just the the love that you and and others had for him, and you were great mates. And just 
44 years. I mean, I'm I'm 39, so for me it is a lifetime ago. But for you, it's it's um, it's still very very raw and very real. I mean, 44 years in a sense must have must have flown by when you look back and think of what happened with Crimo um, today. Obviously, Monday being the 28th of September is the day that he passed away. Three years, uh, three days after the Hawks won the 76 Grand Final, and um, yeah, so 44 years. I mean, it's hard to believe that it's that, that much time's passed, but he still has such an effect on so many of you, including obviously Peter's family. Oh, no doubt, and uh, I, I'm confident that right across the. Uh, uh, football uh, fraternity, let alone the sporting fraternity, or uh, I shouldn't say fraternity because that's not gender. That's a little bit gender bias. But uh, uh, you know, to couple that with the, uh, the terribly sad news of uh, Paul Deere uh, being diagnosed with cancer, uh, yeah. it's not it's not the happiest day in the world. Um, but it is one that uh, brings you back to the memories of uh, the time that you had with people and with uh, with Peter. Uh, he was a great mate, uh, one of my groomsmen, and uh, he was as cheeky as they come, as tough as they come, tougher than most. Uh, and the... The, the manner in which everybody wanted to embrace him was a result of him embracing everybody else. Yeah, yeah, well said. Bob, um, what do you think Crimo would have made of today's football? Obviously, there's a lot of uh, older generation footballers that can't watch it anymore, there's, um, and there's those that appreciate what it is now. What do you think he would have made of it at this day and age? Uh, his thoughts would be different to uh, that if he was playing, I'm I'm sure. Uh, He would be uh, certainly um, a very successful player in today's football because despite the circumstances of this year, in an ordinary season, he was just so fit and he was physically tough, he was psychologically tough, and, uh, you know, he played the win. Uh, and it didn't matter whether it was uh, badminton uh, or football. You know, he played the win. But I think, you know, along with myself and, to be honest with you, most of the people I know uh, who simply have turned the television off because they can't stand watching the games yeah. uh, with the short breaks, um between matches, uh, necessarily, of course, uh, you have players that go full bore, well, two teams that go full bore in the first quarter. Uh, and that's why we've seen seven to ten goals kicked in one in the first quarter. Halfway through the second quarter, most those games were pretty much over. Yeah. And that's when people switched off. And it's, it's not an indictment on the AFL. It's just that uh, you know, when you play in places such as uh, Brisbane and Cairns, uh, Darwin, um, I've experienced that uh, myself. And the ball 
really is very difficult to control. But given the nature of the young or this generation of players, the skill level should be better. Uh, and yet we... Uh, I suppose, you know, it's also an opportunity to, you know, just focus a little bit on the umpiring and the tweaking of rules, which seems to happen each week. Uh, and I think that's confused players. Uh, I think players have become hesitant. Uh, there's definitely a very strong emphasis on protection of the head. Uh, and there have been quite a number of instances that I believe uh, that umpires have been a bit too quick on the whistle. Uh, and I'm not criticising umpires because they are told how to umpire. You know, they're given instructions. So somebody is uh, is trying to clean the game up, game up uh, under circumstances and conditions that are not conducive to uh, the rules that we have in place. Mm. Yep, fair call. Um yeah, I've got views on umpires as well, but we better get into the finals. <laughs> so I, I agree with what you say. Well, not just umpires, but the rules rules more particularly. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a headbanger sometimes. But uh, we better get into the finals, Bob. First week, first game. Sorry, um, it's really it's really interesting. This Port Adelaide home to Geelong. Now, I'm not a betting man or anything, but I was just looking at the odds to get a glimpse of where people were at with their thinking and the power of favourite for this match. In a head-to-head with the Cats, um, the last odds I saw were a dollar seventy-five to two hundred five. Um, the flag odds, however, have the Cats higher in favouritism than the Power five fifty to six bucks. So they they they're thinking the Power might win this game, but overall Geelong are going to go the distance more likely than Port. So that's quite interesting. So um, between the two of you, uh, I might start with you, Owen. What um, what are your thoughts on the Power Cats game, and then we'll bring Bob in as well. What, um, where are you leaning? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, the you'd say, you'd say probably two, three weeks ago, Cats probably fairly definitively. But I was saying last week, I think it was uh, Port haven't been in discussions uh, as well as Brisbane because they haven't been putting away sides. They've just sort of kept them at arm's length and and just doing what they need to do and for lack of a better term win ugly and uh i I think the cats have been doing that in the last week or two prior to the end of the home and away season so definitely be an interesting game uh port will have the home crowd on their side uh so anyone that travels over to adelaide will will know uh, especially victorian teams that uh, uh the crowd is uh, very noisy and definitely in favor of the the home side so they've definitely got that in their favor uh yeah so i know it's hard to tell and and that's the point of the finals isn't it i'm probably leaning towards probably still geelong but uh yeah uh, it's hard to Hard to make judgment without seeing a couple of sides in front of you, sadly. But yeah, as it stands right this very second, probably Geelong just. Yep, yep. And that home crowd factor will be certainly an, an interesting one for Port Adelaide to have. Um, uh, Bob, what are, what are your thoughts, mate, on the Powers season and, and the Cats and who you think will get up? Yeah, well, I, 
I, uh, I, I guess I can go back to 1971 and we won 19 out of 22 games. I mean, we lost three. And I, I really believe that, uh, you know, the confidence that we had uh, uh, got us through in the grand final, despite the fact that we didn't play well. Uh, but the fitness uh, and the uh, the confidence we had in each other and the demands we that everybody placed on each other. I uh, I had the good fortune of coaching Ken Hinckley at uh, Fitzroy, um, and I know him to be an outstanding man. He was a very skillful player, uh, but he was as tough as they come, and he is tough on his poor players. You can tell that by the way they the manner in which they approach the the game and uh, attack the ball. I, I just believe that uh, Port's midfield uh, with both Wines and a couple of the younger players uh, was pretty powerful at ground level. Um, and they're, if they're able to uh, support uh, uh, the big fella up front... Uh, For Port Adelaide, uh, Charlie Dixon? Yeah, Charlie, no, my apologies, uh, Charlie Dixon, and give him some space. Uh, and the one thing we do have to remember, uh, Owen, is that in finals, uh, the tempo goes up uh, because regardless of where you finish it in the uh, top eight, uh, a loss can impact uh, a side quite dramatically. And Port, and I was, it was terrific to hear Ken Hinckley say at the start of the year that they were playing to, uh, to win the Premiership. Mm. He was up front with his players and said, we're not here to pass the time of day. We're here to win a Premiership this year. Mm. Yep. Uh, and I, you know, I put him in the category with uh, Chris Fagan and Brett Ratton as being the, you know, the coaches of the year. Yep. And, uh, if you finish on top, you do it for a reason. It doesn't matter how, how you win, whether it's ugly or whether it's by a point. Uh, if you finish on top, uh, you go into it with a fair bit of confidence. And I, I worry about uh, Geelong's uh, forward heart. They have uh, some very skillful smalls, uh, but they don't get a lot of the ball. So their accuracy is going to be critical. Mm. Uh, and you know if they can, if if I'm, I'm sure that they'll play a plus one uh, in front of Hawkins, they won't give him uh, the fifty metre arc as mm. uh, we've seen in previous weeks. Uh, they're, I think they're pretty, they're smarter than that. Selwood hasn't played a lot of football, yeah. and when you go to finals yep. and your your body's not match fit, not just running around the ground, but match fit. Uh, you know, he worries me uh, because I'm not sure that he can run a, a finals game out for four quarters. They might use him, uh, uh, you know, in, in short spurts. Uh, and I think they'll have to do that. But, yeah, I'll, I'll tip Port. Uh, and I'm not overly confident, but I just believe that on their home ground, despite the fact that... Uh, Adelaide, or the Crows, hate Port. Uh, 
everybody in South Australia be barracking for port. Yeah. Um, and uh, the cats, they have to travel. They have to, you know, acclimatise. It's going to be, it should be a great game. Mm. But I don't, you know, if, if Port takes away the, uh, the corridor, the cats won't win. Yep, good call, good call. And last time the teams met, um, it was actually Geelong by 10 goals, would you believe, 14-7-91 to 4-7-31 at Metricon Stadium. Very different beast at, uh, at, at Adelaide, though, and you're right, though. You don't, you don't finish on top every week of the home and away season if you're not a very good team, and um, I'm excited by what's ahead. We saw Travis Spoke feature prominently during the week with... Uh, Awards week and his name was mentioned a bit and he's um, mm. he's right there. Ollie Wines had a good season. Charlie Dixon, if he's up and about, it'd, be, it'd really be interesting. And um, and the Cats are a finals hardened team, but at the same time they they haven't been able to get to the the final game of the year. So there's still that monkey on the Cats' back, but uh, probably tipping power just because they're at Adelaide Oval, but. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a ripper game. The next game is Friday, 7.50 at the Gabba. Lions versus the Tigers. It's uh, it's a mouth-watering watering contest. I know the Lions kicked a few points last time and got done uh, 82-41, to 41, but kicked pretty poorly. Um, and I know they're feeling pretty confident going in against the Tigers. Uh, Owen, what, what are your thoughts on this game? Can the Lions get over that hoodoo? They haven't beaten the Tigers for a long time. Um, is this the one when they will? They certainly can. Whether they will is another another thing entirely. The, the word around the street is Harris Andrews is going to get up for this game. So they've uh, coined the term aggressive rehab for his uh, <laughs> torn hamstring that he did in round 15. Yeah. Uh, so that's not that long ago, especially when we've had uh, condensed games throughout the weeks. Uh, uh, Richmond are also got a bit of a selection nightmare too. So got blokes like Dean Prestia putting their hands up. You would suggest that blokes like that who haven't been in, that he hasn't been in since round five. So you suggest you give yeah, him an, yeah. another week at least. They've been winning without him. And they've got uh, a double my, chance. Yeah. Um, my main concern for Brisbane is uh, Richmond have been here a lot recently yeah and they know how to win um so whether brisbane are up for the task of that uh and as bob said before it's a, it's a different pace of the game so whether brisbane are up for that or not i'm not entirely sure uh my tip would be richmond for this one at this stage they've got the yeah you're right they've got the pressure now of uh, getting these home finals at, at the gabba with the knowledge that the grand final is on their home patch so they're that much more desperate to make a grand final if that's possible and i wonder whether that will sit well with them or not the tigers are dollar 65 the lions are 230 and the tigers are better backed for the flag than the lions as well bob your thoughts on the tigers and the lions uh just very quickly um Hodge and Birchall, uh, two ex-Hawthorne champions, uh, great on-field uh, defensive leaders, yep. and uh, organised their backline extremely well. And I just feel that uh, if Hepwood uh, is used in uh, the manner in which he was last week on occasions where he got well up the ground and used his pace, extraordinary pace for such a tall uh, athlete, 
and if he kicks straight, uh, um, you saw his first shot at goal last week was a goal. And all of a sudden, you know, he had goosebumps and he wanted to play. <laughs> so I think he'll be looking forward to the game. Uh, Richmond, you know, their, their midfield is, is uh, dynamic. Um, and I, I, I'm, going, I'm going for the Lions uh, because I think that uh, two, there are two midfielders in that Lions group, apart from their captain, but Neil, uh, Lockie Neil and uh, Jared Lyons. Lyons is the one who does the, the hard yakker in, inside. Lockie Neil is uh, he's just uh, an express uh, train. He works up and down the ground. So he covers mid-court and he gets into defence and brings the ball out. Uh, I... I think they'll be excited. I'm not concerned about uh, the, the lack of experience at, uh, in finals. Uh, I've seen the way in which they play and the manner in which uh, uh, Chris Fagan has approached his players on the bench. He's a real man manager. And I, I think that that's going to have a big influence on it. Uh, I think, you know, both of them have a second chance. Uh, but I think for the, uh, you know, I suppose it's a little bit of a, uh, uh, a hope. But I'm hoping the Lions get up because I think it will make the uh, the last four very, very interesting. Yeah, well said. I, uh, the Lions are nine zip at the Gabba this year and they're five three elsewhere. So they've made it a bit of a fortress. But Owen, you're right as well that uh, all these other teams have played a lot of games up in Brisbane this year. So it's a different... Different beast, the whole home ground thing. But uh, I'm still nervous that the Tigers have just been there and got it done so many times that will they just uh, do what Pete Sampras used to do? And he just uh, every time you hoped and someone had upset him, he'd just come out and do the same same thing that he did game after game. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, he's going to win again, and you had to admire it. But you were sort of hoping someone would knock him off. But um, that's probably me. I'm, I'm, I'd love the Lions to win. I'm just nervous that the Tigers might just go. Ah, this is our this is our time of year. So we'll, we'll see. I'm, again, fascinating game and uh, really looking forward to it. The local, our local chemist down here in Langath is a massive Lions fan, so uh, it's never a good time to go in there once when Brisbane have beaten Essendon. Uh, you don't want to be needing some medicine uh, <laughs> to Brett Nagel and the chemist here in Langath, but he'll be up and about if they can win this week. Um, we were speaking off air, uh, Bob and myself, and... Uh, yeah, he's really looking forward to this game, Owen, with your Saints and the Bulldogs. So oh, just tell us why your Saints are going to win, uh, or are you that nervous that they're not going to win? I'm not sure. The, the Saints are $1.75, the Dogs are $2.10 at the moment. Um, but uh, this is, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. This is an exciting game, and I'm wrapped for Brett Ratton to uh, be leading our finals team again. Owen? I'm wrapped just to be back, mate. Um, <laughs> the Why the Saints will win... Uh, Look, they if they're going to win, it's going to be because they will play. Well, it's going to sound very basic when I say it, but they're going to play four quarters hard and tough. And it, as it's been said, or as it's been said rather, throughout the last week or two, the players really play for rats. And there's only a few, not a few coaches. Um, play, other players for other teams play for their coach as well, but. 
it's just uh, abundantly clear that's that's what they do. They want to yeah. win for rats, and um, he's clearly a coach that you want to play for. Like, I think it was I mentioned. Um, I think it was Tommy Bug. He used to play AFL footy. Um, so geez, he seems like a bloke you want to play footy for. Look, apart from that, um, they would have been buoyed off the the fact that Jack Steele got All Australian honours and. While the <laughs> some St Kilda supporters still wasn't weren't uh, satisfied that he was named on the bench and not on the ground, and <laughs> um, good old Dan Butler wasn't even named at all. The, yeah. There was a bit of an uproar as well, but that's another conversation. So, look, all of those guys need to be firing, um, especially the likes of Butler and a couple of the other forward line, because if they're not winning, they tend to go a little bit missing. Even blokes like Brad Hill, um, when he's on and running up and down the wings, when he's getting the footy and using it. St Kilda tend to do a little bit well, or a little bit better as well, should I say. Um, and I'm pretty sure Zach Jones is back for this game as well. But look, the really nervous about the doggies. They mentally seem up for this game. Uh, just reading a couple of things that are coming out through the media. Uh, the fact that Aaron Norton's going to be back after he had a depressed cheekbone fracture. Yeah. Um, Mitch Wallace looks like he's going to be back after copping a jarred shoulder against Frio. So... Uh, Mitch Wallace in particular is a tough individual, so yeah. they'll just walk a bit taller with him just even on the ground. Uh, the fact that they'll have Aaron Norton there as a key target, look, they, they just got by without him when he copped that, copped that clip in, I think it was the first or second quarter um, against, uh, I think it was Frio, wasn't it? It was the last game. Yeah. Yep. Off the top of my head. So, yeah, yeah the fact that I even have those two blokes out there, they'll make him a bit more confident. So... I will tip it's a pretty, pretty close one. Um, hopefully the Saints get over the line. <laughs> well said. Um, Bob, I know you're um, eagerly awaiting the ruck, the ruck contest between the two teams. You reckon that might be uh, an important factor in the outcome? Yes, I, I, I definitely do. Uh, when you look at uh, the Saints, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a... Uh, I've enjoyed watching them play this year. Uh, they certainly have a, a definitive game plan. Uh, and uh, Alan mentioned uh, Brad Hill. He's the one who straightens them up because he comes in board. Uh, he runs wide and gets on his own a lot. I think they'll, uh, they'll work hard. The dogs will work hard to cover him. Try and keep him, uh, you know, as deep in defence as possible because he does work the whole ground. But uh, when when you look at the likes of Ryder, who at the moment I I think is the best ruckman in the competition, uh, he's jumping over everybody and he's putting the ball where he wants it and where he's walled wanted. And then you've got Marshall, uh, uh, and. You know, it. it uh, I think St Kilda's forward line uh, seems to me to be a little bit uh, more settled. Uh, but with the dogs, because I've actually gone fifty-fifty. I'm, you know, I'm I'm on the barbed wire fence. Uh, <laughs> but I think the dogs might might get up. Uh, but if the Saints want to win, they're going to have to shut down. Um, the uh, you know the pace uh, and the penetration of Johannesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Daniel, 
uh, in the back half, and they rely on enormously the best the best kick in the in the league in the AFL. Yep, uh, I reckon Geary so, will go to Daniel. Yes, uh, whether Geary uh, he, he'll certainly try, but whether he can uh, match it pace wise uh, with Daniel, I'm not sure. Uh, but it's great. I, I see this as one of the games of the year. Uh, certainly the game of the finals at this point. Um, but I think it's going to depend a lot on the umpiring because we've seen stacks on the mills uh, with so many of these sorts of games. Uh, and the dogs, you know, how fierce they are in their tackling, keeping the ball inside until they can get someone outside. Uh, they'll go back before they go forward. Uh, whether the Saints can cover that, and I'm sure uh, that Chris Fagan, is, you know, they've all, they've all done their homework. It's going to be the uh, the temperament uh, and the patience of the players on both sides uh, that will eventually uh, uh, determine the outcome. Yeah, and it'll be interesting, as, as you know. I know Owen's very nervous. I'm sure my dad, who's a big Saints fan, is pretty nervous as well. But uh, that's the other thing. The Saints have got the hype of um, first finals appearance for so long. A lot of guys probably in their first final. It's good they've got those experienced heads they've brought in. But, um, yeah, the Dogs, three three players in the All-Australian team, McRae, Bontempelli and Daniel. So um, it's a credit to their, their even spread that they've had. Um, I'm probably... I'm hopeful Saints. Oh, yeah, I'm tipping Saints. I think, um, yeah, I've been impressed. I haven't been able to watch them much the last couple of years. I just haven't enjoyed watching them play. But this year I've really, really embraced what Brett Ratton's done. I think he's a very interesting coach and the players obviously just love him. And he, he's, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the Saints. And I'd like to think they'll um, they'll get over the line. But the Dogs have got a few guys that have been there and done that as well. So, um, yeah. I'm tipping, I'm tipping a draw. Oh, there you go. Bob, Bob wants them to do a bit of extra time. And <laughs> well, we have to get one of them at some point during the finals, so that's good. No, I've had ten- enough of draws in finals. Thank you very much. Yeah, you would have. Ten years. <laughs> ten, ten years. I must this- say, guys, that uh, I'm just so impressed with Jack Steele. Mm. What, what an impact he's had on that team. Huge. Uh, he, he's come from nowhere and become an elite player throughout the course of the the year. So the uh, the dogs are going to have to really put some time into him as well. Yeah, uh, just just a thought from you on being a Saints man and uh, and what what Jack Steele's doing for your team. What what do you love about him? Oh, what's not I like about him? Uh. Oh, here we go. A bit of, <laughs> bit of Saints man love here. <laughs> Listeners just bear with us for a second. No, look, he's given us a bit of a a harder edge. And I think last week I said to think playing under Alan Richardson, he was playing as a tagger um, and picked him up just for a a second round pick is uh, when you look at it in hindsight, it's a little bit unfathomable now. But uh, yeah, as I say, he he just likes to get first to the contest, uh, uses it well. Uh, releases the likes of your, your Greshams when they were playing. Uh, he's out for the year, however. Um, and the likes of Zach Jones as well, who can be a in-and-out player as well. Um, yeah, as I say, he's just had a rip-snorting season and hopefully that form continues into the finals. 
Yes, uh, that game is 4.40 on Saturday, the second elimination final. And the first elimination final is over in Perth, the Eagles and the Magpies. They've had a fascinating, of all the teams of recent history, rivalry-wise, um, the Eagles-Magpies finals rivalry is one of the best going around. It's been fantastic in the AFL era. Um, Perth Stadium... Eagles are going to get a decent crowd there. That that that's pretty handy for them. I think they're seven. What are they? Seven zip at home and five five outside WA. So the record's pretty good. The Pies have just had one of those interesting years, you could say. Steel side bottoms, not going to come back. And he's a huge finals performer, so that really works against them. Uh, Owen first. Um, do you give the Eagle, uh, the Magpies any chance of? Going over, I know they've had to go over and do the seven day quarantine, and and yeah, it's just a, it's a weird setup. But um, do we give them any chance of knocking off the Eagles over there? Pies are always a chance, but uh, it's Eagles all the way for me. Um, yep. The fact that they're at home, uh, it's been proven this year that they win at home. Um, in that Pies weren't overly like two weeks ago Pies played really well when they got some of their star power back like Dugowie and Entralor yep. and the likes of those guys but last week when they played a, a higher quality side such as Port there some of those guys went missing so uh, the fact that the that uh, Pies will have to travel over there have to put up with the, the home crowd that Eagles have uh, it looks like Jeremy McGovern's going to be okay for this game as well um, if you read into the reports of the they're coming through, so look that if McGovern's in, that's going to make it all the harder for the Pies, and he's just a, a wall down in that back line. And if even when he's not there, likes of Barras and those sorts of guys uh, will just chime in as well. Um, well it's, it's Eagles all the way for me, and um, but as I say, Pies definitely not out of it. I, I suspect they will probably compete for probably two or three quarters and the Eagles just run away with it in the last. Yeah, the Eagles fans are going to give those Pies supporters a run for their money. We know when the Pies have got a big home game at the MCG and uh, they get behind them, it's a pretty scary prospect. I reckon the Eagles fans are going to give it to them over there, given, given they'll be about 99 to 1 in terms of the ratio. Eagles are $1.40, Magpies are 3 bucks at the moment. Um, Bob, your views on this game? Uh, I'll be interested to find out whether they actually play Cox, Collingwood. Um, he did some good things last week, uh, but not enough. Uh, you know, for someone who's 200, what is he, 208 centimetres tall, uh, um, he should be marking more of the ball. But because he becomes such a focus, he's uh, very predictable. And unless Dugowie, in my view, unless Dugowie plays further up the ground and leaves Cox on his own, uh, and Dugowie has more of an influence than he did last week. After half time last week, Dugowie was very good. Uh, and Pendlebury also in the first half last week was, he took his time to get into the game mm. uh, because he's such a class act. Uh, so they're going to have to have consistency right across the ground. Their defence is good, you know, with, with uh, Moore, Maynard, and the likes. Uh, but it, I, I'm tipping the Eagles because of their forward half. Uh, and uh, as Owen said, uh, you know, you've, you've got uh, McGovern in defence and with Barras, the two of those 
those two players work very well together. Uh, it's, this will be a more, much more skillful game than the ones in uh, up north uh, because the ground will be quite firm mm. and, uh, you know, the, the conditions will be very good for football. So the most skillful side, or, yeah, the, the skillful side will win. Uh, it is going to be a very physical game, I'm sure of that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what uh, the outcome is. I'm tipping the Eagles because of the home ground advantage. They've been sleeping in their own beds. Uh, they've been behaving themselves. <laughs> and look, they've got a couple of class acts uh, in their forward line. And their midfield is very solid. Yep, fair call, I reckon. Yep. Um, Eagles for me... Um Pies will have to be at their absolute best um, to uh, to go the distance. Uh, just um, manpower. I mean, Jeremy Howell, they'd love to have him there and a couple of others. So, um, yeah, the Eagles for me at home. Uh, they only narrowly missed the top four spot, really, the Eagles. So, um, But whether they can go the full distance, the Eagles, and make the – Grand finals, another thing altogether because, yes, they're going to have to travel from here on in. So, um, makes it tough, but they should get past the pies in the first one. They'll be wrapped that they got to play them in Perth and not, uh, not anywhere else. Um, awards time, too. That was, let's just say, first of all, that was as good a finals wrap as you're going to get. So, hopefully, <laughs> uh, hopefully the listeners have stuck around because that was, uh, it was pretty comprehensive on you. Bob would give us some absolute gold, so I'm wrapped that he's done that. Um, awards time. Um, All-Australian team was picked this week. They did a few other awards as well. Um, Lockie Neal, obviously, favoured in every award, so he was um, he was a runaway winner, wasn't he, in the um, Lee Matthews Trophy, the uh, MVP. Yep. Um, where was he selected in the All Australian? Just in the midfield grouping? Are they just groups now? Aren't they? Um, did you see? Was there anything that jumped out at you? Oh, about that All Australian team that you went? Oh, why isn't he? Oh, Dan Butler for me is probably the big standout. Where I just went, wow, how? Um, I'll ask you in a sec, Bob. But just um, yeah, I was shocked that Dan Butler didn't get in. But uh, was there anything that stood out for you? Oh, from that team? I'm gonna. Drop a bomb on you. I'm not necessarily surprised Butler didn't get in. So, um, look, a lot of people threw, pardon me, a a lot of people threw figures out there saying he was the best defensive forward, uh, small forward rather, and I think he had number one tackles inside his forward, inside forward 50, uh, and there was a bunch of other numbers that backed up his case. Mm. Um, I think the thing that hurt him was when St Kilda lost that, string of games uh he wasn't really around uh and wasn't noticeable so i think that's the thing that hurt him the most the same probably for papley as well um obviously during the year we touched on the fact that his uh mate out here in gippsland uh took his own life and i think it took him a a few weeks to get back into the the groove of things because prior to that paps was right on top of his game and when that happened he, he dropped off at 
quite dramatically and it took him a while to get back into it. So I dare say that's why those two decided to uh, uh, be left out. Or they didn't decide. Uh, no. The selectors just decided. Um, yes. Probably the main one for me was probably Braden Maynard. I reckon he had a, a very good, consistent year for Collingwood. And while it pains me to pump up anyone from Collingwood, sorry, yeah. Collingwood supporters, um, he was definitely a standout for me having watched a lot of Collingwood games this year. Uh, and then you look on the flip side, well, who do you take out? Like Brad Shepherd mm. obviously had a really good year for West Coast as well, but I think Maynard was probably the main one for me that um, didn't yep. get picked. Yep. No, it's a pretty good, pretty good team, really. I mean, being an Essendon fan, there's no bomber I could sneak in there. I know Jordan really had a good year and Andy McGrath, but there's no way they could get in above any of those guys. Darcy Moore at enough back. It was fantastic, I reckon. Um, Bob, is there anyone that stood out for you that should or shouldn't have been in that team? Yeah, well, I, I've got Lockie Neal pinned in as number one, purely and simply on uh, the voting system and stats. Yep. Uh, I don't know whether you, you've read it, but uh, or you, Owen, but in the uh, MVP, he gained 1,100 plus votes um, from the coaches. Yeah. And the next best was 400. <laughs> yeah, right. He won by 700 votes. Wow. Yeah, I did recall saying that, actually. Yeah, yeah it was a big margin. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is quite extraordinary. Uh, but there is one player, Jared Lyons. Uh, he's their really gut uh, inside player. And he helped Neil enormously. Uh, I I thought he might be in, you know, a little bit closer, uh, but uh, he's had an outstanding year and I'm sure he'll play well in the finals. Uh, but the likes of Gap, Menegola from Geelong, mm. it really surprised me that he didn't get a, a spot on the wing yeah. because he's had an outstanding year. Uh, and uh, Hawthorne, well, really, Mitchell, because he didn't play enough games, uh, you couldn't put him in. Uh, I agree with your own about Papley. His form dropped off, didn't get enough of the ball, and his finishing was a little bit poor. Uh, was mm. poorer. Uh, I, I, I've listed them, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm having a bit of a sneaky guess here. I've got Neil at one. Uh, For the Brownlow. Yeah. Yep. I've got Nat and Nui at two. Mm. Uh, so I think he's a real chance. Um, he's such an imposing figure. Yeah. I hope I hope he is a chance because uh, it's about time we uh, recognise those sort of players. Because in terms of influence, I don't reckon there's anyone who has more influence than him. For the small amount of touches he might get, his influence is unbelievable. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, Travis Boak at three. Uh, Jack, Jack McRae would be close, mm-hmm. as with uh, Lockie Hunter from yep. the Dog. Uh, and so I had uh, Travis Boak at three, Lockie Hunter at four, uh, Jack Steele at five, uh, because it's he's relatively new to um, the seniors. Uh, he might not attract the umpire's attention as much, but his influence on the outcome was clearly, you know, top notch. 
Uh, number six, I had, uh, you know, a clash between uh, Martin and Cotchin from the Tigers. Yep. Um, Cotchin does a lot more work than people realise, mm. and he's a real grunt player. Doesn't mind uh, uh, making it hard for the opposition either. And Cam uh, Guthrie from the Cats at seven, you know, yep. the player who just ran, runs all day, uh, and his distribution is terrific. Uh, he, he's one that helps them get it into the corridor. Uh, and they're the sorts of players that you really want in your side. Oliver gets the ball as much as anyone else, but he's beginning to learn to kick the ball. Uh, when he becomes better at kicking, uh, he'll really catch the eye of the umpire. Yeah. Pretty uh, pretty good uh, list you've got there. Any one of them would be... <laughs> Worthy winners, I reckon. Now, I noticed Christian Petrarca won the Demons Best and Fairest from Stephen May. Um, Oliver was surprisingly down at number five. They had Jack Viney three, Ed Langdon had a really good year at four, and Oliver was five, then Gorn was six. An interesting top six there at the D's. Uh, Petrarca winning, I assume it's his first Best and Fairest, set a ripper year. Um, uh, no, Essendon, Jordan Ridley won their Best and Fairest this year. Fantastic performance for the young man. He's that was amazing. Quick- yeah, quickly becoming an Essendon favourite. Very clean, clean with the ball. Yep. The yep. ball yep. in hand. You know, his, his marking, his interception, uh, and his decision-making was excellent. Definitely. In a, in a team where decision-making and skill was uh, pretty ordinary this year at the Bombers, <laughs> um, we, uh, as, as Bombers supporters, we were pretty happy with... The performance of, of Jordan Ridley and we were certainly wrapped that he won the best and fairest. There was another one that has skipped my mind. Oh, um, uh, Adelaide uh, uh, Riley Riley O'Brien. Yeah, if I he, said that right. Yeah, he won one vote ahead of Rory Laird. Yeah, I won it on the last game of the year, I think. But that's a great effort for him, who uh, has really emerged as a in what's been a pretty ordinary year for the Crows. Bob uh, Riley uh, Riley O'Brien in the rucks been sensational for them. I think I think he's been outstanding. Uh, I admire the way he gets up and down the ground for such a big man. Uh, he is very intelligent, <laughs> and uh, uh, not a lot gets past him. Uh, his kicking is, you know, from a set kick, he's not bad. He's kicking on the run. Uh, he will learn more about that. Uh, but his ruck work, his delivery to his uh, uh, midfielders and stoppages. I thought he, he, yeah, he's had an outstanding year. Yeah, and Gold Coast Suns. Uh, I would have thought Took Miller might have won it, but uh, Sam Collins has pipped him by four votes, which is a pretty impressive performance. Oh, and uh, mm. is, is it Sam that's a local lad? I uh, I believe he's drafted from Werribee, so uh, and I think he had a run with Frio and and got delisted. So the fact that he's been able to Go up to Gold yeah. Coast and do that is, is pretty special for him. Uh, and to get ahead of Took Miller just uh, goes to show how much they rate him internally. Yeah, that's always a great indication of what a team thinks of certain players, the guys like that, that you probably don't think are going to get the votes because Miller probably stood out more uh, to the neutral supporter. But, uh, Bob, pretty pretty impressive performance by Sam Collins to, to take out their BNF. In what was a, their one of their more impressive seasons in the competition? Yeah, I, I, I'm really pleased for him because uh, 
the the, the commentators uh, at the games were always uh, pumping his ties up, uh, saying, you know, what an outstanding job he did in defence because he was originally the forward. And then he went down when he came to, to went to the Suns. They put him down back, and uh, my understanding is that he never had more than two goals kicked on him. Okay. Um, and yeah. there were quite a number of games where he had no goals kicked on him. Yeah. But it wasn't just that; it was his in- intercept marking and his uh, his kicking is is uh, a specialty as well. And in today's football, if you can't the ball and hit the target or give the player up the field an opportunity to run onto it, uh, then you're really not going to make it. But he, he, uh, yeah, he, he was a standout in defence. Considering they've lost uh, Stephen May, a former captain, uh, you, to have someone who probably looks like he can fill that role now for a long time is, um, is a huge thing for Stuart Jew, I reckon. Uh, going forward to know that you might have a big bloke down there that can stand up uh, and uh, you'd expect certain development from more players. They did well as well. They picked up Hugh Greenwood and Brandon Ellis. They finished in the top six, those two in the BNF as well. Jared Witts is being very good for them too, so that's pretty important. And then you have a few young blokes, Noah Anderson and Lockie Weller and Will Powell, a few guys in their top ten. So some good signs there for the Suns and obviously with Matty Rao to get back next year which will be impressive um just one more major award that i had written down and i'm just trying to find it but the rising star winner local lad yeah that's the local connection that's what i was thinking of yeah <laughs> um yeah so fill us in on that one eh? uh caleb sarong uh frio so he's a warrigal boy uh look he he won the AFL coach, no, not coaches, Players Association Award uh, for best first year player as well. So, Liga. Yep. Yeah. Um, look, uh, given Matty Rowell's first couple of games, you would suggest he probably would have romped at home had he had played a full season. But look, not to deny Caleb Sarong any of the plaudits, he had a really, really good season. And um, <clears throat> Longmuir played him on a lot of the number one or number two midfielders from the opposition as well so they he was lined up on direct opponents a lot and he was playing on the the likes of those best midfielders and he could see why it's to get a sense of how they move and how they think so that could make him a a better player and once he started racking up 20 plus touches a game you could see he was starting to have his own influence and Sky's the limit for him at the moment. We look forward to watching his career with great interest. Yeah, Warrigal's been a pretty um, handy... Uh, yeah, Bob. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, to, but, you know, I'm just thinking, uh, growing up, I was a Collingwood supporter, uh, and uh, I don't know why, uh, <laughs> but Ray Gabbard was uh, my hero. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I was five foot two, and he was uh, about 20 stone. Um, and but Bill Sarong played with Conwood, and I'm wondering whether young Caleb is uh, a relative of Sarong uh, from Conwood. Yeah, back in the um, Yeah, the just having. I don't know, but a quick scan of his Wikipedia doesn't mention it, so I'm not sure. But uh, it's a, you'd think that sort of name wouldn't be a. A common name, so that might be interesting to see if there is that connection. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so Caleb got 48 votes. Um, speaking of good Warrigal players, I think uh, the great Gary Ayres might have come from there. Just no pressure on Caleb there, but uh, <laughs> one of the all-time greats. Noah, Noah Anderson was second on 39. Max King, uh, Saints man on 28. Isaac Rankin on 16. Then at number five, Bob, was um, the grandson of... Your former teammate, Robert Day, uh, Will Day at Hawthorne, finished fifth, uh, which is a good sign for the future. Just your thoughts on Will before we let you go, mate. Well, I, yeah, I, I've spoken to Rob, uh, Robert Day, because uh, Rob was in the 71 team with me. And, uh, yeah, I was as soon as I saw him run on the ground uh, and his first approach to the ball was in a straight line and all of a sudden, you know, he had pace. He had clean hands, and he was a beautiful kick of the ball. Hmm. Uh, and then, you know, in, in a side that wasn't that successful uh, and uh, under a lot of pressure playing down back, I, I thought he was outstanding. Uh, and he's got a big future at the club. You know, he's one of the ones that, again, is going to uh, help re-establish, you know, the strength of the football club. And... and- Robert Robert Day was more a sentiment, wasn't he? So he was a different different player to his grandson. Yeah, he played. Rob played in the centre in the semi final, uh, uh, but then in the grand final he played on half back flank mm. until uh, Alan Davis knocked him out yeah. um, in the second quarter. And uh, he, I'm not sure whether it was deliberate or an accident. I, I didn't see it, but at half time. Uh, Robert Day thought it was Sunday. Yeah. Uh, so he left the ground, and in those days, in not '71, you couldn't uh, interchange. So uh, we were left at that point uh, with only 18 players left. But it, yeah, Rob, Rob follows him very closely, uh, and Rob Rob Day himself, he, he was extraordinary uh, with his skills. His kicking skills were amazing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay, so uh, he'll be taking all the credit for Young Will's <laughs> emergence as a, <laughs> as a star with the Hawks. But some some good uh, little buds growing at Hawthorne amongst the, the bit of the gloom of this year, but there's some still some good signs going forward, I think, with some of their young kids. It just might take a little bit of time. Uh, and, and anyone who shouldn't... Anyone who uh, wasn't aware of Bob's career, Bob Keddie was a... Uh, Dual best and fairest winner, I forgot to mention that. And he also won a premiership. Uh, he represented Victoria, so he knows a thing or two about big games. That's why we got him on to talk about the finals. Bob, we might try and get you on again before the grand final, mate. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much for giving us that insight. And I'll be watching these games tightly now to make sure that you're spot on. I don't want to see any slip-ups in your tips. So uh, thanks a lot, mate. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. Here we go. The, the great man, Bob Ketty, uh yeah, one of my one of my good friends and uh, just a fascinating man talking about footy and uh, fitting that we got him on on uh, the forty fourth anniversary of the passing of the great Peter Crimmins, who I've written about recently in my Crimo book. And uh, yeah, it's uh, is it still number two on the uh, Dimmick Sports books list? See, I'm a bit dark about that number two <laughs> because uh, number one is bet- a book called number one is a book called. Uh, breathe, and I don't know that uh, I don't know that you'd technically call it a sport book. It's more, uh, it's more in the 
excuse me, in the in the health and well-being section, isn't it? So shouldn't I be number one? That's what I'm. That's what I'm claiming. I'm a bit dark on that, but uh, you, you beat Ruffy's book, mate. So yeah, no, got I'm a bit of a win there. there. And I'm above. <laughs> I'm above Kobe Bryant. So even though that book's been on the shelf for about two years, so it's uh, <laughs> it's doing okay. But uh, we small small wins when we can. Hey, um, pretty comprehensive that now. Um, we might not have any local footy on here. Oh, actually, before we get to the local footy, mate, um, just the retirements from this last um, last few days, really, or the last couple of weeks. Um, I'll just do a bit of a quick run through. Um, you might have a few that you want to talk about, but um, Adelaide, so far anyway, as of Sunday night, um, Bryce Gibbs and Rory Atkins have gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I dare say there's going to be a few more there. Carlton... Matty Cruiser, Cade Simpson, Ben Silvani, the son of Steve, who I don't think got a game. No, he didn't. Uh, no. Um, Darcy Lang, Hugh Goddard, former Sainter, uh, Finbar O'Dwyer, who I didn't know much about, um, Collingwood, Ben Reid, 2010 Premiership player, and uh, at his peak was a very reliable and very important part of that Collingwood team. And sounds like he was a great clubman as well, and he's... Mm. Realised he can't quite get past another round of injuries, so he's um, pulled the pin. Essendon, Connor McKenna and Tom Bell Chambers, but there will be more, I'm sure. Um, Cam McCarthy. uh, I was surprised to know that he played 49 games in four seasons. I was a bit surprised by that. Um, Jason Carter. um, No relation. Yeah, right, sure. That I know of. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Isaiah Butters, Dylan O'Reilly, a couple. Uh, Dylan O'Reilly's the son of Stephen O'Reilly, who played uh, with Frio, Geelong, and Carlton, but I don't yeah, think right. he got a game. Um, he was taken in last year's mid-season draft, but they haven't given him in. So no luck there. Geelong, no one yet. They're still going strongly. Uh, Suns, Pierce Hanley at this stage. The Giants, Sam Jacobs, Hawthorne, Ben Stratton, the captain, Paul Puopolo, Connor Glass. Uh, the Irishman, uh, Melbourne, Corey Wagner, Josh Wagner, yep, brother, brothers, yep, brothers. Uh, Kyle Dunkley, uh, the brother, brother of, of, Josh. of Josh. Yep. Yeah. Um, North Melbourne, Majak Daw, we know his remarkable story. Jamie McMillan's been there for 11 years. Jasper Pittard, yeah, not sure if that trade worked. Uh, ben Jacobs, Paula Hearn, Mason Wood, Sam Durden, Marley Williams, Joel Crocker, Lockie Hosey, Tom Murphy. <laughs> Bit of a list there. Uh, Port Adelaide, even though they're still going, uh, Justin Westhoff, Joe Attlee, Riley Grundy, the brother of Brody, um, Tobin Cox, Wally Buzzer, Jack Watts. Um, mm. Yeah, an interesting one. Watts, I still remember his first game. That was pretty brutal. <laughs> Welcome to it the was, big time. <laughs> uh, Melbourne put too much pressure on him to be yeah, just the expectations were mm. unreal. Richmond yet to announce anyone. St Kilda, Nathan Brown. I'll ask you about him in a sec. Uh, Sydney Swans, no one yet. West Coast, Will Schofield, the Premiership defender. Um, this will be his last season. Hopefully he can get uh, a couple more games in. And the Bulldogs just announced uh, Tory Dixon as well. Oh, Ricky Henderson at the Hawks as well was another yep. one just announced. Uh, Nathan Brown, he was a Saints man who played on Nick Rewalt, didn't he, in the grand final? Or, is he that did. right? He, was that Collingwood yeah, at the time? Yeah. He did. He tailed him up too, just quietly. Um, <laughs> no, 
I, I believe uh, the story with Nathan Brown is I, I could I guess he could see the writing on the wall that he probably wasn't going to get another yeah. game. And when you got the likes of Carlisle and Dougal Howard, uh, Callum Wilkie, and you still got Dylan Robertson, who's a bit forgotten, uh, still sitting in the wings yeah. there. Uh, yeah. Callum Wilkie took his spot there, and Wilkie hasn't missed a game since he started. Uh, I think it was last year. So uh, yeah, he's just kept. Uh, Robert and he's a, a dodgy ticker out of the, out of that side, but yeah, yeah he's a, uh, he did that a few weeks ago. Brownie, he um, said that he's going to go home to his family and yeah. and start looking after his family, which is very admirable. And look, he he did a bit of mentoring down at the club for those young defenders as well. And there's a couple of other blokes which may or may not be there at the end of the year. I think Logan Austin, who St Kilda got from Port, I don't think he's going to be. Around perhaps look, I could be wrong there. Um, there's another bl- young bloke there called Oscar Claravino, who was a second or third round pick a couple of years ago. So he's done a bit of work with them. But good on Brownie. Um, and as you say, there was um, a local <coughs> Kyle Dunkley who got delisted by Melbourne. Um, obviously, the brother of Josh, and that actually brought up a bit of uh, uh, disappointment from Melbourne fans reading. Melbourne's official Facebook post of that announcement of delistings that, <laughs> funnily enough, they weren't necessarily too disappointed with the Wagners getting delisted, but mm. um, they probably felt that Dunkley didn't really get a decent go at it. He got picked up in the mid-season draft by Melbourne last year uh, and ended up playing, I think, uh, a round or two after that particular draft. So he got a few games in. There was a couple of people that said he didn't do too much, but I don't remember him being that bad, but he hasn't He hasn't been able to get into that Melbourne side this year. So, um, but you wonder whether you look at some of these culls, I mean, the lists are going to be smaller, aren't they, next year, most mm. likely, So, and costs are going to be tighter, so... Um, it's interesting to see who is expendable and who isn't, isn't it? Um, exactly. Yeah, so that, yeah, some of those head-scratching ones uh, may be a reason that they can't hang on to them as much at the moment. But um, We don't even know yet, which must make it hard for clubs. They don't actually know exact rules around what's what's happening for next year yet, so it must be hard to, for those teams that have finished their seasons to try and start planning for the draft and all that side of things. Um, it does make it a touch harder, doesn't it? Yeah, just a bit. Uh, so tell us about the local stuff, mate. Uh, no footy on, but I'm sure you've been able to find plenty happening uh, behind the scenes. Oh, I can always find something going on locally. Yep. Um, and there was a little bit going on. Um, I was, as always, I'll start with the player re-signings. So not a lot in that space. So Dalston, Tura and Trailgun Tires United announced a few player re-signings. Uh, coaches wanted. So Trailgun are after a reserves under-18s and under-16s. Coach, there's a couple of coach signs. Uh, so Boysdale, Bragalong signed Mafra's Darren Renoy. Katani. Uh, they signed Daniel Barrand and Wyong signed Doug Vickers. So they were all announced this week. Uh, plenty of shares uh, throughout the week. So when news were on the ball this week, they uh, got into a couple of teams reflecting on last year's wins. So Mafra, Morwell, Yulon North and Yunar. Uh, they all won flags in senior footy and A-grade netball respectively. Uh one thing we didn't touch on was uh, locally, obviously, P- Scott Pendlebury's a sale boy, Tom Papley's a bunyip boy. They'll 
both selected in the 40-man All-Australian squad. Uh, both missed the cut in the end. Uh, funnily enough, uh, Pendlebury was voted best captain in the AFL Players Association Awards. So, yeah. Um, out of all that, voted best pa- best captain can't make the cut for the All-Australian team. But as we've discussed before, it's uh, who do you take out to put that person in? So mm. I'm sure that was part of the decision-making there. Uh, probably one of the biggest stories throughout the week was Trafalgar's appeal to disaffiliate from Mid-Gippsland Football League was upheld by AFL Victoria. So initially, Mid-Gippsland Football League uh, said, no, you, we don't want you to disaffiliate. We want you to stay with the league. And obviously, Alberton are getting absorbed by the Mid-Gippsland Football League. Uh, but AFL Vic have said, yep, you have clear way to go to the Ellenbank District Football League. So now they are waiting for the clubs in the Ellenbank District Football League to vote. My mail is that that will happen. So I okay. suspect... I suspect that Trafalgar will be playing for Ellenbank District Football League in 2021 and Mid-Gippsland will become, a f- well, after that, a 14-team competition. But uh, there's other things happening in that space as well. You've um, you've written on the papernews.com.au uh, Ballara to stay in the Mid-Gippsland League. Uh, you, uh, you wrote an article on that this week. I did indeed. I'm at uh, for Maddie Dunn down at Paper News. So I had a chat to Ballara's club president, Simon Buglisi. Uh, it was a bit of a rumour throwing around that uh, some of the clubs at Mid Gippy may not have uh, been able to see the other side of COVID. Ballara was one of those clubs being spoken about. So uh, I wanted to get the uh, information from the horse's mouth, uh, not calling Simon a horse by any stretch of the imagination, yeah, but. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, he said, no, look, we're financially we've been as good as we've ever been in the last 10 years um, and cited some of the some of the reasons for the rumours. But, yeah, it's all, it's all in there, papernews.com.au. Uh, also shared on Gippsland Footy's Facebook page, as you expect it to be. Uh, touched on that. Nine News Gippsland did an interesting share this week. So a uh, young fella by the name of Mark Maroney, he's... Uh, because he's been in lockdown, he's a young 12-year-old fella. Uh, he started his own YouTube channel uh, called Future AFL Goat. So uh, <laughs> unusual um, unusual training drills, I think it was. So okay. I did have a look. That the, the actual news story didn't actually say uh, what his YouTube channel was called. So I actually had to pause the news story just to – because they had a little quick fleeting shot of it on his uh, computer screen <laughs> to get it from there. So um, all well and good to pump him up. They didn't even mention his YouTube channel. So <laughs> I'll, I'll do it for you, mate. Future AFL GOAT, um, 179 <laughs> subscribers last time I checked. So uh, okay. if you want to support him, check that out. Yeah. Uh, Sale Football Netball Club uh, did their usual Flashback Friday share. So they're wishing club legend Ben Mason a happy 90th birthday. Uh, another death to uh, a player in the Gippsland region. So the sudden passing of Nick Wyman was, I'm sorry if I got that wrong, Wyman or Wyman, uh was shared by the Oregon Footy Club. So I believe it wasn't an expected one. I don't know the full circumstances around it, but we uh, pass on well wishes to them. Mm. Uh, AFL Gippsland announced they are holding a webinar in regards to the G25 report uh, regarding the recommendations from the Colgan Bower report. So that's on Thursday, October 1 at 6.30pm. You don't have to register. They've posted that link on their Facebook page, also shared on Gippsland Footy's Facebook page as well if you want to check that out. 
Uh, Morwell East Football Netball Club shared a newsletter. So normally that's not necessarily newsworthy. They um, just uh, <laughs> they just share what's going on in in regards to uh, how they're tracking and that sort of thing. It did contain a little interesting snippet of information right down the very end at the bottom. So they were talking about information on travel. So they were saying that when, before the absorption of the Alberton League clubs, they were travelling 20-odd Ks on average per game. Uh, with the inclusion of the Alberton clubs, they were uh, going to be travelling on an average, I think it was 46, 48 Ks on average, uh, but they only going over the hill, I think, three or four times. So that was... Um, that was their information but that was not the interesting part the third part of that information was if we were to choose to go to North Gippsland Football Netball League the average travelling time would be 42 kilometres so the fact that they've mentioned that means it's in some sort of discussion and there was a bit of an allusion to the club discussing that in a, in a previous Facebook post that they made so watch that space on this one that there, there is a a few rumours flying around as to what clubs are doing in mid and it's definitely not settled, and that's why I said with Trafalgar leaving, um, currently it's going to be a 14-team a comp, but uh, with Yulorn Yulorn North uh, making it known that they're probably pretty keen to move to North Gippy, that would just... Re- if they get the green light to go there, uh, that would make it a 13-team comp. And if Morwell East is having discussions to go to North Gippy and they get the green light, that makes it 12. So mm. definitely uh, a space to watch there. They weren't relying on... They weren't expecting you to read all the way through that newsletter, clearly. <laughs> Normally I don't, <laughs> mate. I don't have time for that. But <laughs> no, um, I wasn't the only one that picked up on that, let's okay. just say that. Um Local footy show share, so a lot of people will be familiar with the local footy show on Channel 31. Uh, They've been going through the vault a bit, the old local footy show lads, obviously with no footy on uh, this year. They've been uh, scraping the vault out, see what's in there. Uh, They did a a share of a a story they did down at Phillip Island uh, for the former club president, Noel Burrell. They got a bit of a video of him uh, both trying to do goal umpiring duties and steward property duties at the same time. So (laughs) they've dubbed a little bit of commentary over that. So if you need a bit of a giggle, jump on that. Uh, I'll finish off with countryfootyscores.com. So I mentioned last week that they were going through uh, all the most successful clubs via premierships one through our... I did originally say by decade. I believe that was actually by uh, two decades in in one hit. So uh, they eventually got towards the end and then they did a full video graphic of the most successful Vic Country teams ever by how many premierships there's won. So you did touch on who would be that club uh, last week. So finishing at number one on that list, Fish Creek with 36 flags. Well, there you go. Uh, Number two was Omeo. 34 flags Uh, number 9 Swifts Creek 28 Uh, number 15 Traugan 26 number 16 Lindeno with 25 and number 18 was Bansdale with 24 so a bit of Gippsland representation in the top 25 most successful teams in Vic Country and uh, and Fish Creek would be one of the smallest towns so it's a pretty (laughs) remarkable uh, achievement really isn't it what uh, yeah there's a there's a story in that 
town's ability to just keep finding a way to produce winning teams. That's interesting. Very good. Something in the water down there. Definitely, yeah. I obviously didn't drink it when I was living at Yanaki because it didn't <laughs> rub off on me. But um, uh, yeah, amazing, amazing part of the world uh, in a footy sense, Fish Creek. Uh, very good by you yet again. Uh, I think we've got everything covered, have we? Yeah, I think that's almost everything. Uh, we could, I'm sure, we could find a few other things to go through, but uh, it's around that sort of time, isn't it? Yeah, well, we had to get Bob on because he knew he'd give us the best uh, finals rundown possible. Good luck, anyone else uh, on TV or anything out doing that as a as a final summary. Great stuff. Um, yeah, so games kick off Thursday this week, so we'll have plenty to talk about next week. Until then, make sure you jump on papernews.com.au to be across everything that's happening. Uh, Matty Dunn runs the paper news and and Owen Carter runs the any given Monday podcast and they both happen to <laughs> both happen to be doggies and Saints fans respectively so one of them is going to be very happy next Monday one is probably going to be asked that the podcast doesn't run so it'll be interesting <laughs> to find out who that is uh, we look forward to that game you two just uh, well I don't have to tell you to keep your distance because you will anyway which is a good <laughs> thing but um, yeah, there might be a few texts going back and forward, which would be interesting. Good luck to your teams and particularly to the Saints who haven't been back there for a while. So we look forward to seeing them in action. Thank you, Owen. I hope you've got a good week planned aside from getting ready for your Saints. Thank you, Dan. Go Saints. And if your team is in the finals, hope you have a win. Except for doggies. Any given Monday.